Hey, Sprinters. Welcome to The Sprints with Carl and Jamie, where we will give you a sprint of life and fun. Food, fashion, travel, whatever comes to our minds. Let's get into it. Welcome back, Spritzers. Today, we have the amazing Storm Asher, who is an art world phenomenon. Welcome, Storm. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So today, our Amuse Bouche was inspired by our special guest, Storm Asher, who is a curator of a pop-up gallery known as Superposition Gallery. Storm, as you know, we start every podcast with an Amuse Bouche, and you recommended the Amuse Bouche this time. Oh, yeah. Korean Galbi. (laughs) Korean Galbi from Miss Korea, which is apparently open 24 hours. Yeah, I'll usually go before a setup or after an opening reception. I'll take all the artists there afterwards. It's in the city in Koreatown. And it's just all you can eat 24 hours. So no matter when we're hungry, that's where we end up. Oh my God, wow, I need to work for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Spritzers, in case you didn't know, the way Carl, or one of the many ways Carl keeps his physique, is he does not eat meat. (laughs) I don't. And so he is not having galbi, which... I have never had before, which is the beef ribs, Mm -hmm. which are marinated. You put it in a lettuce wrap with a spicy sauce. So we had to improvise for Carl with his kimchi dumplings. And he's also digging into a, what is that, tofu mushroom? It's like a tofu mushroom rice carrot mixture. It's good. Does this make you want to go see art? (laughs) It makes me want to see art. I feel inspired. I really do. And after researching Storm Asher. She's definitely inspired me. She has such a an impact on the art world and I love her. I love her already. Well, Miss Storm Asher, we welcome you to the Spritz Pod once again. I was following you on Instagram and just looking at your pictures and really becoming acclimated with who you are and what you do. As I can see, you're a fashionista, which I love. But you're an amazing art phenomenon. I have to keep saying phenomenon because that's what you are. Can you please tell us about yourself? Wow, phenomenon. I've never had that word used to describe me. So thank you. That's pretty iconic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, basically, I started out as an artist. So a lot of the people that I work with, I actually went to art school with in the city. But then I started getting asked to curate shows. So I've kind of snowballed into wearing every hat, I guess you could say. So I'm writing about art, I'm curating it, but I'm also making it on the side myself in my own studio. And then I'm traveling a lot because we do a lot of art fairs. We just got back from Morocco and we were based in Marrakesh for a week. So we brought a bunch of our artists out there and everybody I work with is interested in the diaspora and whatever that means for them. I'm multiracial myself, so that's really interesting to me. And a lot of the artists I work with are also from many different countries. So we're constantly traveling and meeting artists where they're at and where they want to be seen. So that's why I'm constantly traveling and moving around and also have to wear this hat of sometimes being the artist, but also being the writer other times being the dealer of the art and selling the art, but then also being the curator and doing these community activations. Spritzers, she was Forbes 30 under 30 for art and style. Oh, wow. Such a great honor. Yeah, that was, it was pretty interesting to get that because it was also the week that I had moved to Miami, which was a week before Art Basel. 
which is one of the biggest art fairs in America. And so everybody I knew in the industry was in town when I got the news about it. And we were all at this huge party for Ferragamo or something. And everybody's looking at their phones and like showing my face on their cell phone up to me. They're like, it's you, you got it. It was, it was so, so cool. intense. <laughs> It was just really Carl, crazy. were you at the Ferragama party? Because I don't think I got that invite. No, I haven't been. I'm not as famous as, as Miss Storm here. <laughs> <laughs> Storm, tell us a little bit about Superposition Gallery. Superposition is a gallery program that I started in 2018. So it was about almost a year after I graduated. And it was basically first an open call. I wanted to bring out this curatorial role that everybody was telling me I was good at. and so. It wasn't originally a gallery. It was more just a concept to work with other artists in LA since I didn't have that many connections in LA. So coming back, I wanted to establish myself there as well. And the open call was the theme of superposition, which means to be everywhere and nowhere. So that was this idea of, do you feel torn between multiple identities or multiple different crafts? Do you feel like you have a bunch of different meat that you want to work in, but you feel pigeonholed? And I got so many responses that I had to extend it into multiple shows. And I was like, okay, I think this is more of the name of a program rather than a curatorial theme. And isn't the idea behind it, I think I understand this, is that you have pop-up shows. Correct, yeah. Another big part of Superposition was this idea of arts districts adding to the issue of gentrification. So... The idea with having a nomadic gallery is that we don't take up space and we share space. We don't want to add to the arts district phenomenon of pricing out artists and their studios and people who deserve to work and live in New York, which was the original place where I learned about this concept of gentrification. But then I was traveling around and seeing it was happening all over the world. And this is how cities develop and push out people. They start with artists. And they start with wanting to draw people into the city by using those artists and making the city look attractive. But then none of those people get to reap those benefits of that neighborhood. So I'm always thinking about how I can participate in the art conversation and not the gentrification one. And it's a really fine line to do that. But I feel like a lot more galleries are starting to understand this model and have started to collaborate with us or invite us to do a show. So there's now these buildings in LA and New York that are shared gallery spaces that I think happened and popped up because of this idea that started happening. I have a question that I've always wanted to ask curators. How do you go about curating an exhibition? What's the mood? What's the thought process? What are you looking for? I first think about what the overall feeling should be when someone is leaving an exhibition. The theme is really important and it changes every show. But once I actually have a theme or I feel what's happening around me or from a lot of studio visits I've been doing and I feel like there's this thread of something a lot of people are tapping into at the same time. So that could be Afrofuturism, for example. I've seen a lot of artists right now focusing on how they're thinking about outer space and mm -hmm. the future mm. and how Jeff that Bezos. is. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff yeah, Bezos. Yeah. Like, it's funny because there's so many different ways that this is happening in real scientific theory, right? But then how are artists responding to that? 
and maybe they're not scientists, but there are a lot of visual aspects about this and a lot of ways you can change a mind and a lot of ways that the zeitgeist is kind of going with how we're evolving, right? So a lot of artists right now are focusing on escaping to space and how it's more accepting or like this kind of this fantastical idea of escaping to space. I think that would go well with superposition gallery because isn't that a physics term, you know, being nowhere and everywhere at the same time? Jamie, it's everywhere and nowhere, honey. (laughs) I feel like a lot of my themes still somehow come back to that because superposition literally just means everything and nothing, right? (laughs) With choosing artists, it's really about their work ethic and if they're prolific and if they're nice. (laughs) So Storm, when you were in Morocco, you get to go to Marrakesh. What a great place. Do you sometimes choose where you want to do based on your travel desires? Yes and no. So with Marrakesh, it's a fair that happens every year. But the reason we found out about it was because we did the New York version of this same fair. It's a 154 Contemporary African Art Fair. So they're actually similar to my gallery in that they're a nomadic art fair. So some fairs do just New York or they're Basel, Switzerland, Basel, Miami, right? But this fair sometimes chooses a random city just to activate in. So last year they did Paris for the first time. This year was like their third time in Marrakesh because their founder is actually from Morocco. So she was like gunning for me to go there because I've been telling her that I've been wanting to make the program international. But last year, we did a show with them in Harlem. And they're also very site-specific. So wherever they have the fair, it's also like a beautiful venue. It's not just these white walls built up in a warehouse. In Harlem, they did it in a church in the Harlem Parish. So it was like these cascading, gorgeous buildings with stained glass. It was just gorgeous. And so I was like, okay, in Marrakesh, I can't imagine the building that they get. And it was La Mamunia, which is the most ridiculously expensive and luxurious hotel I've ever seen. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So it was just my artists were both like, what? Like, how did you get us into this? (laughs) Do you need bag carriers? Because Carl and I can make ourselves available, right? Actually, yeah. No, that would be great because you should Carl's very strong. He can hang artwork. He can do lots of things, can't you, Carl? Do a lot of things, honey, and make gowns. I, I am slowly trying to build my team, and that, that's a real statement. So if anybody's listening to this and wants to be an administrative assistant or fair assistant, hit me up. <laughs> you heard that, oh, wow. Spritzer's job opportunities. Here on the Spritz Pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, Storm, I have a really compact question to ask you, and I think you're like the best person who can, who can answer it. Ooh, okay. Being multiracial... How has your journey been breaking through the art world? As we know here in New York, the art world has been dominated by specific cultural groups. How has your welcome been and what has the impact been that you have made in those spaces? Mm -hmm. Well, starting with the welcome, I will say that there was a lot of interest in putting me in one box or another. Because I think being multiracial also brings about the question of, okay, well, which one do you identify with the most? People always love to just be like, okay, yeah, 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 but which one? (laughs) It's like, no, that doesn't work. It's never going to (laughs) work. 
And so I think there was a lot of mental work to be done to not cave into that pressure Mm -hmm. and always remember that I'm coming from all these sides and that's what makes me, that's what makes Storm. It's just like, yeah, all these things are me. You are a storm of culture. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Well, I remember when your mom chose your name and she said she wanted a really strong name for you, knowing that you were going to make a difference in the world. And that was very prophetic. Wow. Yeah, well, and that's the funny part, too, is, you know, I always be, oh, like Storm from X-Men, but she's black, black. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, like, come on. Yeah, I think part of it is whatever I'm interested in also doesn't have to be where I come from. I can be a black Jewish American, but I'm really interested in a painter from Cameroon or somebody from Gabon or somebody from Accra. And like, they have no idea about black culture. And if somebody that's black and went there, they would not have much to talk about besides like they may look a little similar. In the same way with being German, Polish, Jewish on my mom's side, it's like, There's a lot of differences between growing up in America like that and being Israeli. So I think it's really funny when people still try to put us in these boxes. And in terms of the art world, like as a curator, I think some people are just scratching the surface on acknowledging someone my age. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ageism also besides the fact that I'm a woman and I'm black and I'm Jewish. So there's all of that combined, the fact that I'm in my 20s. I think was harder to accept than the other aspects of it because the art world is already so enveloped in like identity politics, right? Now that I'm almost 29, I feel like people are finally starting to respect me, which is ridiculous. You're so old, Storm. 29. Oh my God. I have Gosh. so much respect for you. How do I sign them? How do I apply? I want to work for you. <laughs> well, send me a portfolio. I don't know. <laughs> or if you want to style me, I heard that you're really into fashion. So, Spritzers, we are so honored to have Storm Asher with us today. What tips could you give our listeners, the Spritzers, in the beginning stages of curating their homes or spaces and collecting art? Ooh, I love that question. There's actually a lot of ways that are pretty accessible price points. I mean, I started collecting prints of artists that I really like because originals Mm. at the end of the day, like if you find out about an artist, even two years into their like career, when they started showing with galleries, it's probably, I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone, but out of my price range, (laughs) I always like to support an artist by buying a drawing from them or getting prints. Usually they have a print sale of a limited edition of some amount And that's how I really fill my home with art without draining my bank account, but still feeling like I'm supporting what they're doing because they also want other people to be able to buy their art. Mm -hmm. They also feel bad because they're like, okay, yes, this is going to a great museum or this is going to a famous collector who's an actor or a basketball star or something like that. But what about all these people I actually made this for? Because I would look at places like Platform. David Zwerner. We just did a collaboration with them a few months ago where one of the artists that we work with has works in the 30,000s now, but he did these smaller works on paper so that people could just buy them online right away. And they were between two to five. There's a lot of ranges. Two to five hundred? Thousand. (laughs) Oh, 
Okay, well, we need to specify that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Platform David's Werner, which is a blue chip gallery. So that's a very low price point for a place like that. But on Instagram also, you can see if you follow artists, actually follow them. A lot of times they will have print sales because they might be in between shows. Sometimes galleries aren't doing a solo show of them every day. They might get a lump sum of money, but then they're not scheduled if they're represented by a gallery for another two years for their solo show. So what are they doing in between that time? They're probably printing a bunch of their works to be able to sell them for a lower price point. Do those appear on like artsy.com and places like that as well? Yeah, Artsy does it. Avant Art is another one. I wouldn't suggest eBay because that's usually fake. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, always looking on their actual Instagram. As soon as you go to their website or their Instagram, and if you just reach out to an artist and you just say, I love your work, I can't afford to buy from your gallery. If you ever have a small drawing or a print, I literally just want to give this to my daughter. Artists love that. They're not really like, oh, nobody can have it unless it's the top, top person. Nobody's thinking like that except the galleries. What a nice spritzer tip. Absolutely. Get on and spend your two to $5,000 today. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's nice to know that art is accessible for everyone. And Storm, as you know, we are also in the wine business. And what we always tell people about wine when they ask us is buy what you like to drink. And I think that the same thing is true for art. Buy what you like because you're the one that has to live with it yeah. and see it on a daily basis. Don't buy what other people think you should buy. Totally. And I started doing this legal clause in my sales agreements with collectors because they can resell the art for more money, right? Mm. Then the artist doesn't get that royalty. It's actually... I think America's the only country that doesn't secure royalties for artists, and it's illegal to give them royalties. <laughs> which wow. Is, yeah, it's crap. So Europe is always better with that kind of stuff. Paris understands the struggling artist trope is dead, and America hasn't figured that out yet. That's so interesting because I recently just dressed the Basquiat family. Oh, cool. Yeah, Isn't yeah. Isn't that awesome? I dressed them for their L.A. exhibition that has released in March. And yeah, they're super fabulous. I think they had kind of like the same issue with royalties with their brother. Mm -hmm. Did you dress Noel? I think that's his niece. Yes, I love Noel. Shout out to Noel. Noel and Janine and Sophia, uh, Hervé. I've gotten to know the whole family. Carl, did you get paid in art? for your time? Because that's what I would have taken. (laughs) Oh my God. I wish. I (laughs) definitely wish. Hopefully in the future that can happen. But as of right now, I got uh, taxable coins. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Coins are not even good tender anymore. Just ask them if they have a small sketch, maybe. I know. I know. I hope so. Storm, I know you are an artist as well as a curator. What is your medium of choice? I make oil paintings, but I also trained how to technically make a neon sign. So I blow glass as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I still haven't gotten to the point where I mesh them together because I really want to figure out how to get neon into my paintings. But that takes a lot of studio time and 
money that I do not have right now. <laughs> and isn't but, that a little bit flammable, maybe? <laughs> yeah, oil and, and very toxic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the oil stuff that I use is all school safe oils, because I just, I can't have that in my apartment. <laughs> but with neon, when you're pumping it, it's a really dangerous process. And sometimes the glass will just burst and everybody has to like, run away. It's very volatile. <laughs> so you really so. are a superhero storm. <laughs> it's crazy yeah i did a residency with brooklyn glass in new york so i made that's carl's neck of the woods yes it is bk all day (laughs) it was like four month course you go like every two weeks and i built out this idea i had of making a clothesline and my teacher is like, of course, you chose the most complicated shapes for your first wow. class. Like, why would you do this? But we got it done. So it was like a bunch of bras and panties and socks on a clothesline. And each one was a separate neon transformer. So they were all different colors and they would like oh, wow. wiggle. So it looked like they were blowing in the wind. That was really fun. I assume these could not be worn, but were just visual art. No, yeah. I mean, I would hold them up in front of my body to make it look like it was wearable on Instagram. (laughs) But no, yeah, they get really hot too. So it's best not to That would not be good. (laughs) Yeah. So Carl, this is interesting that two shows in a row, somehow bras come up. Where are we going with this podcast? To church. (laughs) (laughs) To temple today with To temple and church. That's right. Well, that brings up what I do for my paintings, too, because they're all naked women. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, the Garden of Eden, you know, Eve. (laughs) What led you to wanting to paint naked women? Well, I kind of wanted to immortalize me and my friends. So I started staging my friends naked in public spaces. It was basically a tour of New York and different public spaces where we would strip down and get naked and then get dressed up again and run away. I was going to say, run from the cops. Jamie, Jamie, I better not see you running in Times Square, honey. Oh, you won't. Is this sort of like the naked cowboy, but from the art world? Yeah. So cool. Yeah, right. No, I mean, it's all about body positivity at the end of the day. And everyone in the paintings are happy. There's no one else around. We always stage it. That's why it takes so long to take the picture because we don't want to make them uncomfortable. We're like, let's wait until there's a lull of traffic. Going back to BFA, business of fashion, (laughs) I see you showing up in all of these pictures. The social media aspect of galleries has become more popular than ever. Why is this so? You're in Vogue. I see you had a great write-up in Culture Magazine as showing one of the best um, shows in Los Angeles. Tell me about the popularity of art. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of other industry moguls, I would say, other famous people have gotten into this idea of the art star. So like Vic Mensa is curating now. Chance the Rapper is doing stuff with artist residencies in Accra and is working with one of my artists. I've seen this resurgence of celebrities being interested in hanging out with artists and dealers, which is great. I think it's awesome. And I think it's leveled the playing field a lot. But I also think it's funny because art is always seen as the more academic track. People don't really talk about it like that. An artist before wasn't dressed by Mara Hoffman. Yeah, like it, it just did, it wasn't a thing. People were wearing their their Dickies jumpsuits. You know, that's what was cool. 
to wear as an artist or a curator. So I'm not really sure when this started, but I think overall, because we've had so many events and the visual aspects of Instagram just kind of demanded that, that, okay, now there's all these pictures of us and like a lot of galleries and artists have actually started to use their own PR agencies, right? Mm -hmm. I don't personally have one. I want one, but I can't afford what some of these people are paying. Well, it's kind of like history taking place again. I mean, during the Studio 54 days, you had Andy Warhol hanging out with Bianca Jagger. And so I think it's kind of taking place again where artists are coming back into uh, the spotlight and really expressing themselves through fashion. Storm, so where can the Spritzes find you? Uh, Do you have any special events coming up? galleries, shows, uh, let us know. Yeah. So in May, I will be in New York. Actually, most of the month, we have two different art fairs coming up. One is with Future Fair, which is in Chelsea in New York. And we're doing a solo booth with an artist from Accra. Her name is Nyla Opianga. And then that runs for about four or five days. And then the next week, we're doing 154 again. And I'm not sure if it's in the Harlem Parish this time. I think they're getting a different location because, like I said, they like these site-specific projects. But we're doing a solo booth with a photographer named Chinedu Nadibia. And she's uh, Nigerian and African-American. And she does these awesome self-portraits of herself. But all of her hair is covering her face. And she kind of blends into these staged backgrounds. They're so beautiful. Her name is a work of art. (laughs) It is. She may do. Yeah, she's awesome. I would definitely love to come to support and and re-up my art experience. Oh, yeah. And buy yourself some prints, Carl. But I think that we should be taking the podcast on the road. Totally. Well, that could lead into our runway takeaway because, Storm, we're going to put you on the spot here. What are your recommendations for what our spritzers should wear if they are invited to an art gallery opening? You know, how do you balance between competing with the art but standing out? Okay, so one outfit that I wore to that show, Love Letter to LA in Los Angeles, was by Chet Lowe. And Mm. that was like the dress that I've ever worn. Like every picture I took in that dress, like I've I'm just obsessed with it. And everybody was just like, where did you find this? This is crazy. So I see a lot of people will be wearing that nowadays. Slay, Um, slay, slay, slay. Yeah, chat low. (laughs) Spritzers will put a picture of Storm in that dress on our Instagram and our Facebook. So you can catch Storm Cinderella moment. (laughs) Yeah. And then another another designer that I love is Kim Shui. she actually was one of the judges for Forbes 30 Under 30. Like she, she chose me as one of the honorees. And I think she got it a few years prior, but her designs are out of this world as well. And I would highly suggest if you're going to an opening, you wear something like, like that, even if you can't afford it, just something in that realm. <laughs> and what do those look like? Can you describe those for our spritzers? It makes patterns that would clash, not clash. The way she lays it so it lays on your body just makes it work. You just look like a chameleon, Wow! (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. Storm, where can our spritzers find you on social media? 
Yeah. So I have two Instagram accounts. One is for the gallery. So it's just super position gallery and then storm Asher and Asher is spelled A-S-C-H-E-R. We want to say thank you to storm Asher, the art phenomenon curator and superhero for joining the spritz today. Thank you again, storm. Thank you guys. This is wonderful. We're out of here. Thank you so much for joining us today for The Spritz with Carl and Jamie, a production of Hanger Studios. You can follow us on Instagram at The Spritz Pod, on Facebook at The Spritz, and you can find this amazing Spritzy Ritzy podcast on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you may find your podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us. Thank you, guys.